night. I want to welcome everyone. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! All right, I want to welcome everyone to a special Thursday edition of the Seattle Sin Bin. Um, I got to tell you, I feel a little bit alone tonight because I'm flying solo. My co-host Otto Rogers was not able to join us tonight. Um, apologize for not being on the air Tuesday night because there had some illness going on with the staff here. Um, but anyway, it's it's great to be back on the air tonight, and uh, we've got a good show for you tonight. We've, we're going to talk. Um, got a couple new segments from NPR Hockey Talk. And they, they've updated their segment to include this year's NHL playoffs. And I, I intended to spend a little more time on the NHL playoffs than I'm going to wind up spending on it tonight. Um, but there, there's some breaking news regarding the arena front that happened today. Uh, so this episode is going to be mainly about uh, what's going on with the Soto Arena. Um, we've got uh, Chris Daniels joining us in about 15 minutes. And he is going to hop on and talk about everything that's going on in the world of Soto Arena. We're going to talk about the news that broke today about the Mariners and the Port of Seattle renewing their opposition to the arena. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, is there going to be an NHL first modification? Uh, we're going to talk about the FEIS uh, uh, due date that's coming up. Um, we're going to talk about anything that maybe Chris has heard, on, heard that might be going on behind the scenes. Um, it's, it's going to be, we're going to a lot to chew on. Um, and so not a lot of hockey talk tonight. I apologize for that. Um, but believe it or not, before, before we talk about anything else, I want to talk a little bit about baseball with you guys. Um, and specifically I want to talk about the Seattle Mariners. Um, I'm looking at their records for the last 15 years. Um, and I'm looking at 1998. And they finished 76 and 85 for a losing record and third place in the AOS. I'm looking at 1999 when they finished 79 and 83 for a losing record and third place in the AOS. And then in 2000, um, they they did pretty well. They went 91 and 71 uh, for a winning record, second place finish in the AOS. Um, they actually beat the White Sox in the Divisional Series 3-0 and then fell to the Yankees in the Championship Series uh, by a score, uh, a series total of 4-2. Then in 2001, we had the great year. Uh, it was outstanding. Uh, Ichiro uh, came to the team for the first time from Japan. Um, you know, no one was expecting them that much that year. But, each, you know, everything just came together, and it was just magic and lightning in a bottle. And in 2001, they finished 116 and 46, um, which I believe tied the major league record for wins in a season. And then, so obviously they won the division that year. They beat the Indians in the ALDS that year, uh, three to two, and then lost to the Yankees again, four games to one. Um, then in 2002, they had a winning record. 
uh, 93 and 69. Uh, 2003, uh, another winning record, 93 and 69. Um, but then 2004 uh, comes along, and they started. They 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 came up with a 63 and 99 record for a fourth place finish. Um, 2005 wasn't much better. 69 and 93, another fourth place finish. 2006, a little bit better. 78 and 84 for a fourth place finish. 2007, they actually cracked the winning cracked the winning mark again. Finished 88 and 74 for a second place finish. 2008 was dreadful. Uh, 60, 61, 61 wins against 101 losses. Fourth place finish. 2009 uh, looked like they were turning things around. Uh, they they came out to an 85 and 77 record. Um, and came in, came in third in the division that year. Uh, I think Junior was there that year. And 2010, it started coming off the wheels again. Uh, 61 and 101, fourth place finish. 2011, 67 and 95, fourth place finish. 2012, 75, 87, fourth place finish. 2013, 71 and 91, fourth place finish. And then last year they had a good year finally. Uh, 87 and 75 for a third place finish, and they're they're off to they have a lot of high expectations going this year, um, and uh, people expect them to do good things. In fact, um, I think most national publications picked them to win the AL West this year. Uh, they they added some some power into the lineup. Uh, they still have good pitching, so people expect them to do well this year. Although they're off to a three and six start, which is a disappointing start for them. Um, so I just read off to you, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten out of the last 15 seasons, the Seattle Mariners have had a losing record. Um, so it's only natural then that the Mariners focus on the following, which is opposing the Seattle, uh, the downtown Seattle arena proposal uh, put, for, put forth by Chris Hansen. Um, guys, I, I, honestly, I am a Mariners fan, and I like the Mariners players, and I want them to do well. I really do. But don't you think that their time would be better served by actually building a winning organization uh, and building a better front office, and hopefully getting new owners that will flush this front office down the toilet. Because any front office that is more concerned about eliminating competition than fielding a competitive product and beating the competition, any front office that's more concerned with that is not worthy of our time. They're not worthy of my time. They're not worthy of your time. Do I want them to do well? Yes, I do. Do I want them to go to the playoffs? Yes, I do. Do I want them to win the World Series? Yes, I do. But why, oh, why, oh, why, and I can't be the only one that's feeling this way, why can't these people focus more on their own product and quit worrying about whether or not the NBA comes back to town? Now, I know what they'll tell you. I know what they keep saying. I know what they said today. Uh, they think this is the wrong location. They think that the arena review process, uh, unbelievably, has been shortcutted somehow. I can't imagine how they – you know what more detail that they could have could have put into this thing uh it's almost two years now that they've been working on this on this feis study that's due out on may 7th um i i can't imagine that they don't have enough details in it 
Um, I can't. I know that what they're going to say is that it's the wrong location. Uh, the Port of Seattle opposes it too, which I, you know, I've just come to expect that. Um, but you know, honestly, I don't care what the Port of Seattle does. I mean, even though they, you look at the stats going through that port and traffic going through the Port of Seattle has decreased substantially over the years and is expected to decrease substantially over the years regardless of what happens with the Soto Arena. So, frankly, I'm sick of their their opposition too, but I'm really sick of the Mariners' opposition. Um, they, they've had losing six, seasons 66% of the last 15 years. And if, if we were to go back for the entire history of the organization, uh, you would be astounded how many losing seasons they had been as well. Um, and, you know, other than a few good years in the mid-90s and a couple good years in the early 2000s, um, they've been a terrible baseball organization. They have not been a team that fielded a winning, that's fielded a winning product. They need to focus on building a good organization or they're never going to turn the corner. Uh, they, you know, I'm just sick of it. And maybe you can hear it in my voice. I'm just sick and tired of the act that the Seattle Mariners are putting forward. Um, Howard Lincoln needs to be gone. Okay. Howard Lincoln needs to go. Uh, it's, it's that simple. He has, he has held that team down for far too long. Howard must go. I mean, Howard, you know, Howard Schultz gets most of the venom in the Seattle sports scene. Well, I think Howard, Howard Lincoln deserves his share of it too. Although to his credit, he hasn't lost a team for us. All right. So here's the other thing. With, with why I'm upset about this. Um, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Um, and, you know, here we are in the middle or the very beginning of the season. Uh, things are just getting started. Everyone's got these high expectations for them, and they just can't seem to get out of their own way. But here is what really irritates me about this whole situation. I know that this is about market share. I know that they just don't want the competition uh, for your sports dollar that the NHL would give us, that the Seattle Supersonics would give us. Um, I just know it. Um, the eye test alone will tell you that um, Soto is the best location for this arena, transportation-wise. It's right at the intersection of I-5 and 990, and there's, there's just no possible way that it's not the best location. This is all about market share. <clears throat> and the simple fact of the matter is, if you look at um, the plan for the Soto Arena and look at the financing plan, um, I believe Chris Hansen, personally, is paying 60% of the cost of this arena. All right? That's to be lauded. I know, I know, I know that the Golden State Warriors, I know they're planning a fully private arena down in San Francisco. I know that, and that's terrific. But before that was announced, Chris Hansen had, also, had already come forward with this plan, and it is one of the most financially generous plans of any uh, NBA arena that you're going to hear about, 60% of the contributions. Um, go back and look at the contributions that the Seattle Mariners made to, their own, to, their, to Safeco Field. It's going to be my, maybe 20%. 25%. And what, what, what really upsets me is Chris Hansen is community-minded. He's responsible. He's contributing his fair share of the arena. And here the Mariners are having, having contributed half of what he did towards their, own, towards their own stadium, and they are opposing this. And it's just because, don't let him fool you, 
It is only, only, only because they don't want competition for your dollars. Okay? That's as simple as I can make it. They don't want the competition. All right. Um, I got to end this rant now. And we do have a segment from NPR Hockey Talk. They've they've done a couple spots for us for the playoffs in the NHL, which just began this week. So here you go. Good morning. I'm Tiffany Trujillo Carnegie. And I'm David Pedro Gutenberg Fukushima. And thank you for joining us on NPR's Hockey Talk here on radio station WEPC. In this edition, we're going to examine some of the fascinating first round matchups in the 2015 NHL playoffs. Tiffany, would you like to begin? Thank you. The series between the New York Rangers and Pittsburgh Penguins pits the President's Trophy winners against the team that slumped to the finish line and didn't clinch a berth in the playoffs until the very last day of the season. The Rangers are heavily favored against the Penguins, who will need outstanding production from their bottom six forwards to have a chance in this series. Well said, Tiffany. Elsewhere in the Eastern Conference, the Detroit Red Wings face off against the Tampa Bay Lightning, popularly shortened to Ning. Each team has several young up-and-coming players. Detroit has reached the NHL playoffs 24 consecutive seasons, which is two more seasons than the Ning have been in existence. That's shocking. I see what you did there. Tampa Bay's weakness could be their defensive play and how well they adapt to the rougher style that playoff hockey usually brings. Inconsistent goaltending has plagued the Red Wings of late and is an area of concern for Coach Mike Babcock. (coughs) An amusing moniker, indeed. Sorry. I was reminded of this morning's piece on All Things Considered, about the history of knock-knock jokes. And it recalled this anecdote. Knock-knock. Who is there? Al. Al who? Al be seeing you in Detroit Ning fans. Go Red Wings. Go Red Wings. Woo! (laughs) Join us after the break for a fair and balanced look at the Western Conference playoff field, including an all-Canadian matchup between the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames, with a winner receiving a trip to the Western Conference second round, full bragging rights, and free Tim Hortons donuts Mm. for the entire NHL offseason. A tasty and worthy prize to endeavor for. We'll be right back, here on NPR.
anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop Sent to the sin bin with your host, recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers. See ya. All right, let's show him what we got, guys. Okay. Right. Yeah. Get out there on the ice and let him know you're there. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store is the only place to get all your authentic Vancouver Canucks merchandise. $22 keychains. $45 t-shirts made in Indonesia, but screen printed in Canada. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store, where the players shop. Because making $5 million a year is the only way you can afford this crap. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! See ya! Alright, let's show him what we got, guys. Get out there on the ice and let him know you're there. Alright, I want to welcome everyone back to the Seattle Simbin. And um, it looks like we've got Chris Daniels waiting on the line for us. Chris, are you, are you there? Paul, I can hear you. You've got a fancy open now. Ah, uh, yeah, I, we've we've gotten really fancy. We've got really fancy. We got we got segments from NPR Hockey Talk. We got everything going on now. Uh, so yeah, I, I hope yeah, I hope it's a lot smoother than the last time you were on. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, we we didn't do a broadcast on Tuesday like normal. Because, uh, for various reasons, and then um, uh, I got the new segments from NPR Hockey Talk, so I decided um, a show tonight just to just to play them. Um, and then I thought, who, what better guest than Chris Daniels of King Five News to talk about, you know, anything that might be going on in the world of Soto Arena or team acquisition of the NBA or NHL? And I thought, you know, I, there doesn't seem to be any breaking news this week, but maybe maybe Chris Daniels has got some some news for us. And then you posted a story today. Uh, and there does seem to be some breaking news. What's going on to, with the Mariners in yeah, the court today, Chris? Your your timing is impeccable. Uh, <laughs> when you asked me uh, to do this, uh, I, I I knew that, uh, that there would be this meeting on Thursday morning, uh, the first time really in a year and a half that Chris Hansen's team has – uh, presented their arena proposal, presented their designs to the Seattle Design Commission. Uh, this is one of the pieces of the process with this uh, arena project that now is uh, going on into the third year. And uh, in, in that presentation that went about an hour uh, from, from Hanson's Architects, uh, they showed a couple of new things. One, uh, they, they'd like to, to widen out the sidewalks down on First Avenue South. 
they'd like to build a, a road, an access road on the uh, east side of the arena complex. And also, uh, they had three different proposals for a pedestrian bridge uh, over uh, Holgate to connect the arena uh, to the other side of uh, the train track, so to speak. And uh, according to SDOT, which was also in the room, they've had uh, preliminary discussions uh, with Hanson's team about that. And uh, although it was a surprise for SDOT to hear it, uh, Hanson's uh, attorney, Jack McCullough, said uh, that, that Chris Hanson's group would pay for that pedestrian bridge. So all of that was uh, new today uh, to a certain extent. Uh, but what we we heard right away at the end of that uh, lengthy presentation was uh, a representative from both the Mariners, uh, Melody McCutcheon, who's a uh, attorney, and uh, Mike Mayer from uh, the Port of Seattle, both stand up, express uh, their serious reservations uh, with the arena in that location uh, that Chris Hansen uh, would like to put it in. Uh, the Mariners, in fact, said there really wasn't anything new uh, in the last year and a half, and uh, that there'd been no dialogue whatsoever with the Mariners, and they still had uh, uh, serious reservations. Uh, about an arena as a neighbor. In fact, uh, they had some concern uh, looking at the diagrams, uh, just like I was in the in the room, uh, that the uh, Hanson Group was trying to take away land or, or property from the footprint of uh, the Safeco Field parking garage. Hanson's Group uh, said, uh, his attorney in particular, uh, McCullough, uh, said that that was not the case, uh, that they, they were uh, attempting to create an easement uh, to allow people to get to the parking garage. But uh, the, the bottom line is the Mariners are uh, not happy today, uh, at least as far as their representative is concerned, uh, said that there were a lot of questions that needed to be answered that have not been answered even uh, a year and a half after the last presentation. And the Port of Seattle just frankly said, hey, uh, we want the NBA and NHL in Seattle. We just don't want it in this location. And that there are other locations uh, besides this one. And, and frankly, uh Mike Merritt stood up and said, this is, this is the wrong location for this. And uh, there are other locations, although he didn't name uh, one in particular. He said he just didn't think this was the right location. So right. Uh, there was some thought, uh, even, even on my end, that uh, perhaps the, the port and uh, the Mariners had been softening uh, their position, but that does not appear to be the case here as things uh, start to ramp up in the next couple of months. Okay. Now, you... Uh, ever even before Chris Hansen's name surfaced a couple of years back, uh, you've been on this story, and uh, you can read a map as well as anyone else. In fact, you've posted some maps uh, on your website over the years talking about uh, Soto Arena property and all that. Uh, and, and so you know these maps pretty well. Did it, and you saw the, the presentation today. Did it look to you like they were taking Mariner land? Well, uh, the the issue has always been with the Mariners, and I've sat in, uh, Paul, as you know, with a lot of these meetings uh the issue has always been that north side of the proposed arena and uh massachusetts and the access point to the parking garage there and, and what the footprint of an arena uh up against that may mean for the access to the parking garage that's where the mariners have been uh very concerned uh, through this whole process with design review uh is about the access uh to that parking garage and to put their hat on for a second, I mean, if they were a uh, a house in some neighborhood and uh, another house uh, was uh, somebody had blueprints for a, a house next door, 
that look like it may go over a certain line, uh, you'd probably have the same reservation. So uh, that may be where they're coming from here uh, on one level. Uh, but but that's that's what I've noticed through the course of all these design reviews is is that the real sticking point is the access for them to that parking garage, and and, and the Mariners don't seem at this point willing to um, work out any sort of agreement uh, with the Hanson Group on on use of that parking garage. Uh, they they said today they they were unclear uh, in the presentation whether the Hanson Group is relying on parking at Safeco Field. Uh, in terms of the overall parking spaces uh, down in the Soto area. Uh, so so parking is a, a big concern one way or the other. Uh, and, and it was interesting as well today that, that Jack McCullough said, with or without the Mariners, uh, we still have this big piece of property uh, that is uh, south of Holgate, potentially be a, a major parking garage that they could uh, purchase tomorrow if they needed to, uh, that they have an option on right now. So, uh, that is going and didn't to be they acquire the, the options uh, when, the, when the design purpose? review uh, commit, or the, the, the commission meets uh, uh, once again next month? Go ahead. Yeah. Didn't they didn't they acquire the rights to that property or at least the purchase option to that property for just that for just this reason? Because the, I mean the Mariners said all along that they couldn't use the parking garage. So as I recall, Chris Hansen acquired the rights to that property uh, to accommodate that. Isn't that? Am I misremembering this or? No, you're you're not misremembering. Uh, that was uh, when, when that option uh, was signed to purchase that piece of property. Uh, that was uh, what was said by the Hanson Group is that was uh, specifically for for parking if they needed it. Uh, you know, the the, the commission today uh, in their feedback uh, even said, "Boy, it would be great if uh, if you and and the Mariners could work something out." And and that could be uh, one of the commissioners said that could be redeveloped uh, for some other purpose. Uh, but, uh, you know, McCullough, Jack McCullough uh, for, for Hanson, his land use attorney said uh, that they are focused on that as a, uh, a potential for a parking garage, if need be, if they can't work out something somewhere else. Yeah. Here's what I don't understand about the Mariners situation. I mean, <clears throat> I understand uh, they want to make sure that people have access to their parking garage. And I understand that, that they're concerned about when uh, there's two events in the same area on the same day, one in the Mariners stadium, one in the Sonics or NHL stadium. Um, but what I don't understand is there, there's not that many overlapping dates that they can, that they're going to have. What, what is it on the non-overlapping dates that prevents the Mariners from making the parking garage available for NBA NHL games? That is a, a good question, uh, Paul, that I don't have a direct answer uh, to. Uh, they have uh, just taken the stance at this point that they feel, uh, in my conversations with the Mariners in the past, that they feel that they're at capacity right now, that that parking garage uh, was built to be used with Safeco Field, and they have uh, at least 81 dates there a year where that parking garage is going to be filled. And then as that neighborhood uh, grows with an arena or without an arena, uh, there will be needs for parking there as well. So uh, the position the Mariners have taken uh, publicly uh, and also privately uh, is that it is at capacity right now and there is no other capacity uh, for uh, other cars from an arena or, or any other purpose. Okay. Um well, Chris, I, I frequently have little birdies talking in my ears, as I'm sure you do, about this situation. 
Um, I hear things like all along, ever since Chris Hansen came forward, the Mariners have not liked this idea at all. Um, they don't like they don't like the fact that they could lose market share. Uh, they don't like the fact that it could impact um, their root sports network. Um, and they, I, I've even heard things like they have uh, behind the scenes told city officials and county officials that if uh, any entity that that supports the arena, that the Mariners might have some kind of payback uh, factor for that. Have you heard any of those rumors? You know, uh, Paul, I, I, I hate to even uh, give credence to, to rumors. Uh, you know, they're, they're uh, I just like to deal in facts. I, I mean, I've heard whispers uh, on certain things uh, here and there, but uh, I've I just kind of made the decision that uh, I'll report when there when there's facts, uh, fact-based uh, information, and, and rather avoid the whispers, uh, so to speak, because uh, obviously tension. Uh, as one of the uh, the commissioners uh, said today, I can I can sense there's some tension tension uh, between the two sides. I mean, there's a lot of tension here, and uh, you know both sides will will whisper, and, and both sides will. Uh, say things to make their case. So I, I've I've chosen to just yeah. rely on the facts, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, Chris, uh, as you're talking about that, it just occurred to me, you wouldn't fit in at Fox News or MSNBC, would you? <laughs> I'm not going to take your bait on that one either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So um, enough about the Mariners for the moment. Um, the other main, the other main entity up opposing this continues to be the Port of Seattle, um, and yet, in the background, we've got the mayor and the state working, continuing to do work on getting a Lander Street overpass, overpass which uh, I always thought was the port's baby. Um, is there any progress on that to report, and could that impact the port's stance if that comes to fruition? Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because, um, you know, one of the things that makes this story so complex is is all the layers to it um, with the Mariners, with the port, with the city, uh, with uh, a proposed development. There are a lot of layers, and uh, even if you don't care about basketball or hockey, there's a reason why you care about it. And, and one of those reasons, if, if you're part of the Maritime Industrial uh, Group, has been this Lander Street overpass. Uh, that has been promised for years to uh, to be built uh, by the city uh, and, and other government agencies down in that area uh, right near the Starbucks Center. Uh, and, and, in fact, voters uh, approved the Bridging the Gap levy, uh, which was sold to voters by uh, the Nichols uh, administration, uh, to, to build an overpass there to alleviate some of the congestion over the uh, railroad tracks. There's so many trains that go through there. Sold the voters, voters approved it, and then the funding was pulled to finish Mercer. Uh, so the rug has been pulled out from uh, underneath the, the maritime and industrial folks uh, before. Uh, but what we have seen now, uh, particularly in the last couple of months, is some movement on the state level and the local level. Uh, Mayor Murray uh, has, in his new levy uh, proposal, although it's not finalized, uh, has has made Lander a priority and says it's one of the projects uh, that would be uh, completed uh, if voters approved the levy. Uh, the state uh, Senate and the state House uh, in their transportation packages have allotted $5 million 
for a Lander Street overpass. The, uh, the, the Hansen Group, uh, in, in their Transportation Infrastructure Fund, has allotted $40 million uh, for improvements down there, although uh, not particularly designated to Lander. Uh, but what you see now uh, from three different directions is some money uh, that's been targeted for a Lander Street overpass. And it's my understanding that if uh, certain numbers are hit, uh, on a local and state level that that potentially federal grant money would be involved. So it's a, a complex okay. mix uh, that uh, it just seems like the ball is getting rolling now. Uh, by, but by November, December of this year, as far as that overpass is concerned, uh, there may be a little bit more clarity. And, and in, in fact, uh, the, the Maritime Industrial Council, uh, President Dave Gehring, uh, told me a few weeks ago he's, he's pleased with where this is going. And and, and happy with the momentum that uh, has been created here in the last few weeks. So we'll see. But, uh, I mean, that is, okay. a, that is a piece of this whole puzzle to make everybody happy. Okay. And maybe you mentioned this entity, and maybe I, I just didn't hear it, but um, you mentioned the state, you mentioned the city, you mentioned Chris Hansen putting money towards the Lander, Lander Street overpass. Um, has the Port of Seattle put any money towards the, the Lander Street overpass? At this of. point, no, uh, but they, uh, they they haven't pledged any money uh, to it. But uh, you know that potentially could change. They they they've said officially, as has King County and and Dow Constantine's office, that they're interested in being part of the discussion. Uh, but in terms of a a number and putting a number on it or or, or a pledge, uh, that hasn't happened from from either of those entities yet. All right. Well, not to be lost in today's news is the good part. I mean, the, the Mariners thing is frustrating. The Port of Seattle thing is frustrating. But the, the good news is, of course, that um, it was a meeting about the arena in public. And there seemed, I mean, progress is ongoing. And we've, we've got a due date of May 7th for the FEIS to, to be published. Are we still on target for that? Uh, as far as I know, I haven't heard anything uh, otherwise at this point. Uh, you know, the the, the design commission today said they were generally supportive uh, of uh, what they heard today, that uh, they're scheduled to take a vote uh, on the 21st of May uh, on the uh, design merit. And then there's a public benefit portion that they would vote on a, about a month later. So two votes to go there. And then that goes to SDOT, who then hands it off to the mayor's office. And the mayor has made uh, himself clear where he stands uh, on that now. Uh, but uh, as far as the draft EIS, uh, you know, that, that is still scheduled to be done on or before uh, the 7th, uh, which is a couple of weeks before that next design review commission. And I'm sure the, uh, whatever comes out of that EIS is going to be discussed uh, at that design commission uh, with that fresh information that will at that point be a couple of weeks old if everything stays on track right now. And uh, there hasn't, again, been an indication yet uh, that there's going to be a variance on that date. I mean, that's uh, that's what the mayor said a while back. Uh, circled that date on the calendar, May 7th, uh, for the final EIS. Would there be any council votes on the FEIS um, any time over the summer? Well, the way I understand it now, I mean, I, I told you this before, that the, the, the final EIS has been considered uh, by everybody involved, and I think you, you, you heard it a little bit today in this design commission, uh, kind of the biggest piece of the puzzle the biggest hurdle because there's been so many questions down there. Uh, there's already been the, the legal challenges uh, of the past. Uh, a lot of people have been focused on that uh, and, and the question of whether it could be completed. 
uh, and we know it's been uh, delayed uh, often, many times already. Uh, but uh, the, the, the council, it's my understanding, will will end up uh, voting on a street vacation in, in the very least, and then uh, the, the master use permit that follows. Uh, there's probably going to be a couple of more council votes. And that's another whole discussion, Paul, because uh, uh, the city council, the makeup, the dynamics of the city council in Seattle have changed dramatically in the last couple of years. Uh, the, the, the political movement in Seattle has changed in the last couple of years since this was first approved. Uh, and, and there is a council position that's open uh, that will be filled here this month uh, by one of, uh, it sounds like, 43 different candidates, because Peter Steinberg dropped out today. Uh, that uh, yeah, will sit on the that. council until the end of the year. <laughs> uh, so they yeah. uh, they are going to have a say in uh, potentially uh, whether to approve a street vacation and, and forward this project. So that is going to be something to watch because, uh, as I'm sure you're well aware, there's going to be nine uh, uh, council seats up for grabs in the November election, and the dynamics yeah. uh, of the council could change even more. So um, I, I like Sally Clark, and I'm, I'm sad to see her go. Um, who do you think might replace her, and do you think I'm going to like her or them? Uh, well, I, I think there, there were a few names uh, that, that popped out. Um, there are a few names uh, which are uh, not as familiar uh, with voters. People have been uh, very involved behind the scenes. One of Clark's former aides uh, has uh, submitted paperwork, and you have uh, Jan Drago, Heidi Wills, both former council members that have submitted paperwork. Uh, the one that surprised uh, some people at City Hall is Howard Wright, uh, whose family was instrumental in construction of the Space Needle. Uh, I'm sure some of your folks are well aware, uh, was a minority owner of uh, the Sonics back in the day, owns the Seattle Hospitality Group uh, now, uh, and he's been a businessman and been involved in, in various uh, businesses uh, in his time in the city of Seattle, but a, a family with with roots that run deep. Uh, so th- those are just a few of the names. And uh, the vibe I got uh, y- yesterday at City Hall is uh, it may be uh, one of the people that, that may be nominated here uh, as a finalist, uh, somebody that, that is not all that familiar with voters. So uh, there could be a wild card involved, but that person will, will fill Clark's seat. A wild card. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so uh, for, uh, thanks for coming on, Chris. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, um, it's a hockey it's a hockey podcast, so I got to ask you. Um, we we know for the last two or three months there there's been uh, competing lo- locations that have come up in Tequila and Bellevue. There's been competing ownership groups, and then there's uh, the mayor of Seattle that has opened the door towards an MOU modification for the NHL. Um, any movement on that, that that you can report? Well, you know, again, it's it's uh, one thing to report uh, uh, rumors and one thing to report facts. I, I know that that people are working on some things right now. Uh, whether they follow through on those things uh, is another story. And uh, the, the one thing that you have in front of you right now uh, is a timeline with uh, the, the Hanson project where things are going to happen in April and May and June. And and the question is uh, whether that timetable works with one that, say, the NHL is working on and and whether uh, an NHL group 
uh, will step forward and uh, be willing to assume any of the uh, financial risk uh, with a Soto arena. And if it, if it stumbles in any way, if this project stumbles in any way between now and say uh, May 7th, uh, who knows, the floodgates could open and uh, there's a huge opening then uh, for another project to come forward. Uh, but there is, yeah. uh, I think it's it's fair to say there's been a lot of talk. Uh, the question is, will there be just as much action? Yeah, and of course the other other thing to keep our eye on, and you know we don't we don't like to pay too much attention to this because we we appear like vultures if we do. But um, the situation in Milwaukee is not resolved yet, and uh, uh, they released renderings of the, the arena last week, and yet it seems to have gotten. A little more chaotic since then, and now the Bucks have said that June 30th is the last, you know, is basically drop dead date. That that could really factor into our situation um, if they don't get that resolved, could it not? Well, I, I think you know it, it's interesting that the, the the Bucks president actually put a date on it. I think everybody though has been operating under that assumption in Milwaukee that they have to get something done uh, by the end of the legislative session to meet their own self-imposed deadline of a new arena. Uh, in, in 2017. Uh, so it, it's interesting that the Bucks president came out a couple of times this week and said June 30th uh, as a as a drop dead date. I, I, I'm not sure uh, exactly the, the, the motivation there, uh, since I, I think that everybody has been operating under the assumption that they needed to get something done. Uh, but the the talk just a, a little bit uh, got got turned up there uh, in, in terms of the tenor of the conversation. Like everybody yeah. to this point has stayed really positive. Uh, even the indications back to Seattle, if you if you believe Seattle Mayor Ed Murray, is that uh, that deal will get done. Uh, he says he was told that uh, by the NBA commissioner himself. Uh, so we, we will see how this process plays out and. and you know, there was a report today out of the, the business journal or the, the, the journal Sentinel back there uh, that, that one of the aldermen said that the, the city can't come up with uh, the money that's being discussed right now and that the blame is that they're already setting up uh, the, the blame to be shifted to the city uh, in, in case the bucks leave. So just a little bit, the tenor has changed yeah. there. But uh, so far, it's been relatively positive. And I think all indications are they're going to get something done. It's just been interesting this week with how the tenor changed. Yeah, and even even in giving the drop dead date, uh, Fagan was very polite about it. He he said it very nicely. He wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't speaking with a voice of doom. He was just saying, "Yeah, we really think this is going to get it get done, but if it if it doesn't, you know, June thirtieth, we'll know that we're going to have a problem." Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. I, I, the next three or four months are going to be chaos around here, aren't they? Well, there's going to be quite a few meetings, uh, and and we'll see. We'll see if uh, another group materializes between now and and May 7th, uh, which which would change the conversation. But it's, uh, again, a a question of whether somebody follows through on on the talk and and actually delivers it with some action and, and, uh, that'll be interesting, but we do, we do know that, uh, yeah, boy, the talk's going to ramp up at least on the city of Seattle side here in the next few weeks. All right. Well, Chris Daniels with King 5 News, I want to thank you for coming on again with us tonight, and uh, I, I hope uh, you come back in the near future because I know we're going to have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes, we will.
Thanks, Paul. All right. Have a good night, Chris. Thanks. All right. That was that was Chris Daniels of King Five News, and and once again, I want to thank him for coming on. And uh, I, I'm really just astounded uh, at the amount of really good guests that we've had on the show. Uh, eight. We've been doing this for eight weeks now. We've had really good guests every time, and uh, I'm just really thankful for that. Um, I'm going to do a quick segment, uh, another another segment from NPR Hockey Talk, a little more playoff talk to go with, to uh, talk about, and then we'll finish out the show on the other side. So stay tuned. Welcome back to NPR's Hockey Talk. I'm Tiffany Taylor-Taylor. And I'm David Navid Hasid. The upcoming playoff matchup between the Nashville Predators and the Chicago Blackhawks should be an interesting series, to say the least. Both teams have been playing some mediocre hockey of late, but both also have the potential to be playoff powerhouses. Well, you know what they say about potential, David. The potential energy is a function of the state a system is in and is defined relative to that for a particular state, which may not always be a real state in that it may also be a limit, such as with the distances between all bodies tending to infinity, such as in the case of inverse square law forces. Well, I was thinking more of Winston Churchill's well-known quote that continuous effort, not strength nor intelligence, is the key to unlocking potential. Mm. But I'm sure your quote also applies to the often controversial lineup decisions of Blackhawks coach Joel Kenneville. Thank you, and well spotted. That was actually the exact inference I intended. Moving on to the other all-Canadian matchup, the Ottawa Senators were rewarded for their amazing late-season surge towards the playoffs of Lord Stanley's Cup with what might be the best possible matchup for them in the first round. Agreed. The Senators won their past three contests against the Montreal Canadiens by a combined score of 13-5, to which I believe technically qualifies under NHL rules as a complete ass-kicking. I believe it would have to be 15-5 to to be considered a true... Three game ass kicking. If you recall, the ass kicking rule was amended in 09 after the Detroit Red Wings the ever loving out of the Columbia's Blue Jackets four games to nothing. Following that debacle, the threshold to be a true ass kicking was raised slightly by the NHL's competition committee. Well, f- me, you're right. Well, Either way, 13 to 5 or 15 to 5, that is some serious ass kicking, and Montreal will have their work cut out for them. The pairing of P.K. Subban and Andre Markov will have to come out ahead in the possession game for Montreal to win this one. 27 year old goalie Andrew the Hamburglar Hammond has been the story of the year for the Senators and they hope that it is his play in the net will lead them to the next level. After the break, we'll examine the playoff series between the Capitals and the Islanders, two teams that haven't met in the playoffs since the 1993 Patrick Division semifinals. For those of our younger listeners, the top song this month in 1993 was 
If I had no loot by Tony Tonai Tonay. This is Hockey Talk broadcasting from station WEPC on NPR. No, I don't think I've ever heard this song. Which one is Tony? stands for non-stop hockey love. Hockey love. Like when the Thrashers score a goal and those giant bird heads shoot flames 20 feet out of their mouth, you can feel the warmth fall over you. Can you feel? That's hockey love. The hockey love. Or when a player is sent to the penalty box to think about the wrongs he has done, that is the league version of sending a kid to a timeout. Done with tough hockey love. From Midtown to Marriott, Sometimes in between periods, they have little tight hockey. Little kids playing hockey in their little thrashers uniforms. They try so hard, and their parents are so proud, so full of hockey love. I'm talking about hockey love! I wish I could go out there and play against them. I bet I could kick some ass. (laughs) All right. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Paul Rogers, who is a college graduate. We're all Eastern, which Ed. That's what it said in the yearbook, Jim. Uh-huh. All right. I want to thank everyone for coming back uh, on the other side of us with the Seattle Send-In. Once again, I want to thank King 5 reporter Chris Daniels for joining us. He had a lot to say. 
Um, lots of process in that interview. I, I actually look forward to listening to it uh, when I get home later on because uh, he, he said a lot that I probably missed while he was even saying it. Um, but it's it's quite a situation with the Mariners. It's quite a situation uh, with the Port of Seattle. And I, I honestly don't think that the Mariners have a chance of stopping this. I don't think the, the Port of Seattle really has a chance of stopping this. Uh, I think this is going to happen. I think we're going to get our PIS done on May 7th. And, you know, I, I have high hope that we are going to get some kind of NHL first modification done at some point. And I have high hopes that we're going to get an NHL franchise. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the Bucks? Who knows what's going to happen with expansion after that situation is resolved? But I think we're in a good spot, and we, sh- we should keep that in mind. Just think about three years ago when we didn't have any plan at all. And, and just think about the previous five years where it was just nothing but dead silence. Well, uh, there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot of movement happening right now, and there's a lot of potential for bringing the NBA and the NHL to Seattle. So that is a good thing. I want to close out the show by just taking a quick look at the playoffs. Uh, um, the the uh, had a couple games already. Um, I know that the Nashville Predators lost a game to the Chicago Blackhawks the other night. It was a close game. In fact, um, the Blackhawks had to come away from from way behind on that one. Um, and the Canucks lost to the Calgary Flames in their first game of the series. Um, the Montreal Canadiens beat the Ottawa Senators the other night. Um, and the New York Islanders beat the Washington Capitals to take a one nothing ser- lead in that series. Um, and if you want to check out the local game, Vancouver is playing uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock Western time and that is scheduled for C- for the CNBC network. Um, and if you want to check out, let's see, let's just go through these. Um, the next game, or the first game, uh, for the St. Louis Blues going against my Minnesota Wild, that's going to take, that actually takes place tonight at 6.30 Western time, and that looks like it's on the NBC Sports Network. The, N- the NBC Sports Network is just awesome. They play a lot of good stuff. And, of course, for NHL fans, it's gold because they they play a lot of NHL games throughout the week. So if you want to catch out the Wild host, the St. Louis Blues, um, check out uh, uh, check out at 6.30 tonight the NBC Sports Network, uh, and you can watch that game. Um, as far as the Anaheim Ducks series against the Winnipeg Jets, um, they play their first game tonight at 7.30, and that's going to be on the CNBC Network. Um, and if you want to check out game two of Montreal versus Ottawa, that's tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Actually, that, check that. That's going to be 4 o'clock Western time. That's going to be on CNBC. Um, if you want to check, check out game one of Tampa Bay Lightning versus Detroit Red, Wing, Red Wings, I know uh, my pal Otto Rogers is going to be checking that out. That is tonight at 7.30 Eastern time on CNBC. Um, if you want to check out the New York Rangers, who are favored to win the NHL uh, or the Stanley Cup Finals this year, um, <clears throat> the um, the first game, actually, I'm not seeing that on the schedule. I'll have to get back to you guys on that. But if you want to check out uh, the second game of the Washington Capitals versus the New York Islanders, um, that's going to be tomorrow night at 4 o'clock Eastern on the NBC Sports Network. So between uh, MSNBC, or not, not MSNBC, between CNBC, 
and NBC Sports Network, uh, you're going to be able to watch just about any playoff hockey game that you want to watch this year, which is just terrific. And I plan on watching quite a few of them this week. Um, so, big news day. Uh, it's great to see progress progress on the arena. It's disappointing to see my Seattle Mariners continue to oppose the arena. I think it's unjustified. I I, I don't think they have a legitimate case. Um, but and and they are my team. But it is disappointing to see their continued uh, opposition to the arena when I think it's about nothing but preserving their market share in the Seattle market. But nevertheless, I don't think they're going to be able to stop it. Um, And, uh, you know, hope they have a great year. Hope they make the playoffs. But something has to change in that organization for long-term success. It really does. But that brings us to the end of this special Thursday edition of the Seattle Simbin. Once again, I want to thank Chris Daniels uh, for for stepping in and talking about uh, the arena and everything else. Uh, I want to thank my buddy Steve Stearns uh, from SonicsRising.com, uh, who directed and produced the, the two NPR Hockey Talk segments. Um, and I want to thank the two actors that that uh, uh, helped him with that. I, their names escape me at the moment, but I will put that in the article, I promise. Um, anyway, I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight, and I, I hope you join us again next Tuesday. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about. In the meantime, have a great day, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Joining us in the Sin Bin with Paul Rogers.